everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And I wouldn't say I'm cheap. Actually, burgers aren't cheap if they're good. A good burger is expensive, usually. But How, Wait, what? Yeah, I mean, you know. No, I don't. I've had expensive good burgers. Okay. What was that one we had in New York of Daniel Balud's? My God. Yes, it was like a million dollars. But speaking of good burgers, we were at Snallygaster yesterday down on Pennsylvania Avenue with thousands of folks uh, celebrating neighborhood restaurant groups. What fifth annual? I think Snallygaster. No, eighth. Eighth annual. You just makes it up. I just make it up as I go along. Right. Exactly. But there were thousands of people there, and in fact, it's you know it's a great craft brew and and food festival. Mm-hmm. But in fact, one of the things I ate. Uh, was Stephen McRae's awesome burger from Rustico, and he's with us today. We're going to be talking to him. Um, yeah, but of course he didn't bring the burger. No, he brought a Stephen, lot of healthy stuff this morning. Stephen, why did you bring healthy stuff? It's good. Well, the burger's not unhealthy. It's just we got good stuff it's here. the way you eat it. All right, so uh, we're also going to be joined by Daniel Kramer. He's a managing partner and co-founder of Duke's Grocery, Duke's Counter, and the recently opened... What happened to my voice? I don't know. Gogi Yogi Korean Barbecue. Mm-hmm. He'll be in with us, and we're going to find out what Gogi Yogi means. Okay. Boo-boo boy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Andrew Gruel is founder and uh, executive chef of Slapfish Restaurants. They're based out of Huntington Beach, and uh, the real focus is on good, sustainable seafood. Uh, Andrew's going to, um, I don't even know if people know this, but there are 22 Slapfish Restaurants around the country. And it's also... Um... National Seafood Month. It is National mm-hmm. Seafood Month. He's got four locations in the D.C. area. We'll be talking to him as well. Jordan Harris is a return. You're going to get a one of a, a, like the tenth visit jacket from us. I don't know that we've had a guest that's been on more. Jordan Harris is the head winemaker and uh, GM at Loudoun County Celebrated Terrera uh, Winery. Uh, he's in with a slightly different twist today. He's going to be joined, uh, I guess, on the phone. By Adam Benke, who's COO of Loudoun United Football Club. That's the pro soccer team based in Leesburg that is that funnels players up to DC United, uh, and they've got a great partnership um, between. Well, they're doing a collaboration. They're doing really a collaboration. Cool. It's a partnership. It's a collaboration. Yeah, I love that. We're going to hear all about it. And Nick Farrell is here. Our one of our two favorite. Mixologist Sam Nellis is the other, of course. <laughs> Nick is a spirits director at uh, Neighborhood Restaurant Group, and he oversees the uh, cocktail list at great restaurants like Iron Gate, Vermilion, Hazel, and Columbia Firehouse. But he's doing a whole thing now with uh, with a lower, I, we would call it lower alcohol content spirits um, and great cocktails. They're opening a it's place. It's called Low ABV. Low ABV. I didn't want to say alcohol by volume. But that's what they're calling them. Well, okay. That's we can say that. That's sort of the terminology. But they're opening a new place called Show of Hands in the Roost Food Hall that will open up on the Hill um, in early 2020. Mm-hmm. And that'll be you'll be able to get your low ABV delicious spirits there. Okay. Am I right? All right. So uh, first, thing, we're going to talk to Mitch Berliner from Central Farm Markets because today is a good day. We're going to the farm markets. Mitch, are you there? Hey, Mitch. Hello. Good morning. Say you're there. How are you today? Hi, Mitch. Excellent. Hi, Mitch. What's going on at the markets today? Well, um, very quickly, I'm spending my day down at Nova. 
uh, uh-huh. today on the parking lot of the George C. Marshall High School. I'm here because it's once a year that Bethesda has to close because of the Arts Festival. So I'm going to do a big emphasis on having all the people from Northern Virginia come on out to this um, wonderful, wonderful farmer's market, the Nova Central Farm Market, which is right in the shadows of Tyson's Corner, again, on the George C. Marshall parking lot. And you were talking earlier about seafood, and Mm -hmm. I don't think I really talked about our seafood guy called Lobster Mania much Hmm. at all. Okay, well, let's hear about um, him. Lobster Mania. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, yep, it's a great story. They started out by just bringing lobsters because uh, they would go to Maine and bring them back to friends. And the next thing you know, they ended up full flung in the sustainable seafood business. And they're really wholesalers to top restaurants. They supply all the fish to Jose Andreas's restaurants. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, and so I heard about him and I said, oh, this is the guy we have to have at the farmer's market. All the fish, it's beyond fresh, as you can imagine. Only Jose Andreas and his uh, restaurants would have. Mm-hmm. And no shrimp from Asia. Everything is American. Um, the most fabulous salmons, like from Faroe Island or wild salmon. There's sushi grade flown all around the world. Um, they also, uh, you may be familiar with Ivy City Smokehouse. Of course. Um, our local producer of beautiful smoked salmons, trout, etc. They carry their full line mm-hmm. as well. They do very They should. Well. We just had their platter of... for the for the holidays. We all did. the white fish and the right. smoked salmon and all that. Yeah. The candy tuna. Everything they make is really top draw. I have visited the place myself. Lobster Mania is um, at all three of our farmers markets at Pike, at the Bethesda and of course at Nova. Mm-hmm. And uh, so please come down. I mean, people don't normally think about getting fantastic seafood at farmer's markets, but we thought this was something that was very important to Great. have. Great. All so, right. Um, so let's make sure so, everybody so, knows which markets are open today, the Northern Virginia. Okay. So Northern Virginia, and then, of course, next week all three of our markets will open, uh, Bethesda Central Farm Market, Sundays year-round, Bethesda Elementary School parking lot, Pike Central through November and Saturdays at the REI parking lot at Pike and Rose. And then our Nova Central Farm Market, George C. Marshall High School in Falls Church. Right off the Beltway on Route 7. Righto. And you can visit centralfarmmarket.com and come and visit. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Mitch. Mitch. Thank you. All right. Nick Farrell, step up to the mic. Hey, Nick. Hi. How are you? So I, I'm surprised to see you still standing after Snallygaster yesterday. <laughs> yes. That was you know that Stephen McRae's sitting. I know. So I... <laughs> well, um, we were serving cocktails out of kegs, so right. we kegged them up. So um, just that made it easier. Moving my arm like this wasn't right. too hard. So, so, right, yeah. you just built up. Look at that muscle. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so what is it with the low... ABV trend. I feel like it started about a year, year and a half ago. All of a sudden, you started hearing people talking about it, serving cocktails that had a lower alcohol quality. What is that about? Well, I think um, it's a natural progression of uh, the food trends. So Mm -hmm. us thinking more about what we're putting into our bodies um, as far as what we eat. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we're enjoying ourselves a little more mindfully as well. So um, you want to go out, you want to have a good time, but mm-hmm. you also, you know, some of us work one, two jobs. We're balancing a lot, you know, and we have to think about the next day as well. I mean, so. was there a, I, I assume there was a demand for it where people were saying, you know, I mean, what do I do after my second martini? You know, I, you know, you can't. Exactly. I mean, if you're hanging out with friends, you know, you're always looking for a third space to hang out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe it's at a bar or a restaurant. Uh, You're really enjoying yourself and you want a way to uh, keep that going uh, without a hangover the next day or, you know, you want to wake up and work out the next morning. Is there a lot uh, more kind of during the middle of the week going out after work than there used to be? It seems like there is. It's he an economist? Like, what does that have to do with? What he <laughs> no, no, does? no. But I mean, I think because you can't go out and get hammered every night and then 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 I mean, go to work. There are people who well, do it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, uh, I see it you. even. No, I, I'm just saying. Like when I was in my 20s, I mean, I think it depends on like where you are in your life. That would... so for like our Arcadia Farm fundraiser, right. uh, we actually for the first time uh, prepared a non-alcoholic beverage for that, mm-hmm. not knowing how it would go, and I did not. I almost did not prepare enough, actually. Really? Uh, did people know it was not alcoholic? Will, yeah, people people are not afraid to come in, sit down at a bar, and not order a drink and ask for you know um, well, for some sort of somebody thing like me because I use I'm not a big cocktail person and I can drink one beer and then I'm done. So usually I end up drinking you know iced tea or something like that. So this is a good alternative for exactly those of us who have to drive. So what? When you're putting together your cocktails, how are you still balancing them? So looking at modifiers instead of base spirits mm-hmm. uh, and looking to maximize. The, so when we talk about modifiers, we're talking about not uh, not whiskey, gin, vodka, mezcal, tequila. The first thing you mm-hmm. think about that goes into your drink. Thinking about the second thing that goes into your drink, the, the, the thing with the most flavor that's typically uh, lower ABV. So liqueurs. Uh, Amaro's, Sherry's. So, what are we like making that. first? So, first we have um, a take on an Look ap- at us, look at us. First, we have a take on an Aperol spritz. <laughs> it's radio. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, um, okay, I'm going to have you pour sure. it because we got to get to our first guest. Yeah. And then while you're doing that, and then we'll talk about it. And you it know our you first back. guest well. So, right. Stephen McRae is the executive chef at uh, neighborhood restaurant groups, two Rusticos, one in Boston and one out in Alexandria mm-hmm. on Slater's Lane, mm-hmm. right? And um, he's come into the kitchen, and you—I I know from the notes that you've changed about seventy percent of the menu. And we're, you know, I'm a, a regular at, at Rustico, and there were some great changes, including the stuff you brought in. Why don't you talk a little bit about where you've been and how you got to Neighborhood Restaurant Group? Um, I've kind of been a little uh, all over the place. Um, I started my career in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, and then. Is there a big dining scene in Oklahoma? No, not okay. really. Uh, no, they have tornadoes, though, I understand. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's not a big scene of anything in Oklahoma, really. Um, and that was that was part of the reason why I wanted to leave. Um, and I just kind of sent my resume all mm-hmm. over the country to anybody that I could find. Um, and I got the biggest response from the DMV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I scheduled a few because tastings. Because you know that there is, like, a hiring frenzy in D.C. People need everybody, right? Right. Um, and so I flew out here and uh, scheduled a few tastings, and mm-hmm. I got a job with uh, with Clyde's Restaurant Group. Mm. Um, worked there for a couple of years, and then I opened um, Rural Society for Iron sure. Chef Jose Garces. Yeah. Um, and then I worked with Garces Group for a little while before coming to NRG. 
So when you went to um, NRG and you had this opportunity with Rustico, mm -hmm. which um, has been around for 11 years, 12 years? Yeah, it's been, I mean, you know, it, Rustico on Slater's Lane, I mean, we were there for the, like, the opening, basically, was sort of a We're new, there for every opening. Right, <laughs> for a new style restaurant for that area, right? So there was an underserved area outside of Alexandria, pizzas, you know, neighborhood, real neighborhood restaurant group, but neighborhood dining. So how did you come in there and say, okay, I see this menu, now this is what I want to do with it. How did you make it yours? Um, we just, we, we, we really sat back and thought about what we wanted to do to, uh, because just like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's a concept that's been around for, for 10 to 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot has changed in the food world, uh, in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't obviously want to get rid of things that, that people, uh, know the concept for, such as burgers and, and pizza and things like that. Um, but we also wanted to give them, um, more options for, for the conscious diner. Well, it's okay. also a very beer-centric place. I mean, Greg Engert's got, I'm trying to remember that, am I right? They're 500 no, beers? No, Or is that downtown totally at Birch and Barley? That's Birch and Barley. That has a totally <laughs> um, other concept. But you've got lots of beers. Oh, absolutely. Lots of craft beers. Uh, 42, 40 drafts, two casks, and uh, over 300 bottles. Well, that adds right, up well, to 500. No, it's not even close. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the stuff you brought in today and sort of what people can find on both menus at both restaurants. Okay. okay great. This is Nikki Nellis. We're drinking low ABV cocktails, so we won't be getting silly on air today, but we'll be back in a minute. That's not true. <laughs> Ask yourself what you will miss more, your children or cigarettes. As long as I can remember, my mother smoked. She died from lung cancer when I was 16. I could not take the chance of continuing smoking and not being here for my daughter. I know how much I needed my mom still, and I didn't realize it until I had lost her. You're not just quitting for yourself. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. All right, we're back with Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis. At the start of our 11th or 12th year, I guess, on air. 12th well, we've year. been on air for 11 years. Well, and we're at the start of our 12th. <coughs> okay. I can add. That's, That's mm -hmm. the way I added up those beers before you guys, <laughs> right. before we went to break. So, Stephen, really let's talk about, because you do have, sorry, not 500 beers, 370 beers that the food has to work with. So um, I see you brought in pizzas and all of that. Talk about the flatbreads and the pizzas and how, I mean, how you work with Greg Anger to make sure everything's in sync. Mm -hmm. um, we just try to come up with things that that uh, um, work off the flavors of, of of the different styles of beers, mm -hmm. um, things that you can pair with uh, with sour beers and things that you can pair with things that are salty and um, and and going going through that with our staff and making sure that they're aware of kind of how to. And navigate the guest um, to get those proper things and make those proper suggestions. Well, so let's talk about some of the food you brought in today because as we discussed, you were changing the menu of Rustico because as an older restaurant, keeping up with the times, the ability of product, how things have changed in the last 10, 15 years. So let's talk about some of the things that you've put on the menu that is a real departure from what was there originally. Um, so, uh, well, one one big thing, um, starting kind of uh, with the pizzas, is that uh, uh, the way people look at pizzas changed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, ingredients have become more artisanal, and they've become... Um, they've become, become healthier, too. Right, a lot healthier. Um, and we've, we pay attention to w how much of ingredients goes on pizzas. Um, pizzas before, you know, were packed with processed cheese and very, very meat-heavy Um 
And that's kind of something that we wanted to get away from. We mm-hmm. wanted to use very, very specific um, quality-based ingredients um, and give uh, give our guests the, the best pizza experience that they could have. So you brought in two pizzas today. What did you bring in? Uh, the first one we have is the uh, Green Machine, which mm-hmm. is um, which is a, a kind of an odd one because it's not uh, a red sauce-based pizza. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, a tomatillo-based sauce pizza. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the main components of this are Mexican chorizo, um, uh, tomatillos, and cilantro. So it's a very, very Latin-inspired uh, pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, just like with all of ours now, we use uh, fresh bald mozzarella. Oh, yum. And what it's, I know we can't see the second one, but what's underneath? Uh, and the second one is our... I think we should see the second one. Okay, just let him talk. <laughs> the second one is our... Um... Yes? Yes. There Classic. We go. Oh, there we it go. is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and this one is is uh, a, a white pizza mm-hmm. um, with lemon cream and a little bit of uh, lemon juice, arugula, uh, mm-hmm. Parmesan cheese. Um, just a very nice, light, clean. They both look super light and clean. And you brought in all these dips and spreads today, which speak to me. I like snacks when I mm-hmm. go to a restaurant. I like to, I like to pick while I'm deciding what to order. So you, the spreads are a total new addition to the yeah, restaurant. Absolutely. This is something that we've uh, we've never done. Um, and we kind of wanted something to, to, to uh, something on the menu that functioned just like that, something mm-hmm. like a bread service without it being bread service because we're not that style of restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought it would be cool to have something that people could order. Um, and you can get one, uh, three, or f- all five. Mm-hmm. Um that they could set and just kind of snack Professional on. tip, go for five. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would tell people to do. Um, that they that they could just kind of snack on while they're trying to figure out what's going on. So mm-hmm. what are they? I mean, they're, uh, mic- they're sort of combos. Oh, yeah. So um, my favorite is the uh, smoked trout. Which I just uh, had. It's delicious. Smoked trout and a little and bit of sour And for the health cream. conscious, the dips all come with um, this fabulous fat bread, flatbread, excuse me, but you can get lettuce leaves. Absolutely. For those of you who are trying to be carb conscious, which mm-hmm. I love. I think it's really smart. Mm-hmm. Now, are you doing low ABV cocktails as well? Um, yeah? I Nick? believe so. Yes, Nick is like, yes, we are. <laughs> um, well, so Nick, let's just go to you quickly. You gave us this one low ABV cocktail, and you're going to be giving us another one. What's coming up next? Uh, so the next one is an Amaro and tonic. Uh, it's a Greek tonic uh, with... Uh, a bitter orange forward amaro. So. Oh my god, that's uh, delicious! Yeah. It tastes like soda. Yeah. But is it? Does it have the same like sugar content? Is it a lower sugar? This one, this one would have the same sugar content. Okay. About. Um, okay. there are other other drinks that are drier. The the spritz, the first one, is Super dry. definitely dry. No, I Excellent. love the idea that you can get all the taste without having to worry about getting too buzzed. Yes. It's great. Well, All right, Chef. So before we take our phone call, let's tell everybody where they can find you at Rustico. Two, two places. Two places. Um, yes, we have a location in Arlington um, on Wilson Boulevard. Uh, it's mm-hmm. forty seventy five Wilson Boulevard, um, and then we have another location in Alexandria on Slater's Lane. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for bringing in all this deliciousness. All right. Okay. So let's talk about sustainable seafood and good seafood. If yes. You, if you love sustainable seafood for what it represents uh, environmentally and the taste and all of that, you got to love slapfish. There are four slapfish uh, restaurants in the area, mm-hmm. but there's a whole lot to the slapfish story um, behind that. And Andrew Gruhl, who is the founder and executive chef of Slapfish, happens to be on the phone. Andrew, are you there? 
I'm here. How you Good. doing? Good, Good. morning. How it's are early you? in it's early in California, but it is a little we're early. glad to have you with you. But Andrew, uh, just right off the bat, slapping a fish doesn't seem right to me somehow. <laughs> I mean, Where'd you get the name? Well, I mean, hey, it's the opposite. Fish so fresh, it'll slap you. There you go. I like that. That's a good answer. So um, how'd you come up with the concept? What were you trying? I mean, you're, you've are you entered into the fast casual model, which is um, especially huge in the D.C. market. What, what was your intentions? How did you put this all together? Slapfish really came out of, uh, you know, it was a brainchild of mine from some work I was doing with the Aquarium of the Pacific out in California. Mm -hmm. I'm a Jersey boy originally, and I've worked in restaurants all over, primarily coastal, and Mm -hmm. uh, was always obsessed with seafood. I took a couple years out to work on a nonprofit where our goal was actually to get people to eat more seafood, but do so in the right way, right? The right types of seafood, quote, sustainable seafood. Mm -hmm. And in in working through that program and working with so many fishermen and, and nonprofit organizations surrounding that area of kind of marine stewardship, I realized, wait a minute, you know, part of the reason that we don't eat enough seafood is because on the one end of the spectrum, you've got really expensive white tablecloth. On the other end of the spectrum, it's more of that greasy fried seafood uh, drive-through. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing in that better food area as we've seen recently with so many great concepts, better burger concepts, better pizza concepts. So um, that was, you know, shaped my goal to try and approach it from that perspective to create a more fun, whimsical, sexy approach to eating uh, high-quality seafood, but in the the kind of at that cost and convenience of faster food. Well, I also think people are intimidated by fish. They're intimidated when they go to uh, their grocery store and they see fish and they don't know, you know, especially, you know, if you want to eat sustainably, I mean, I'm I'm telling you what you already know, but if you want to eat sustainably, you really have to go uh, a little out of your wheelhouse maybe and order fish that you're not familiar with, which means how do I cook it? What do I do with it? And, and, you know, I think people are, are a little bit afraid of you know, stretching their palates and their cooking abilities when it comes to fish. Well said, and, and you hit the nail on the head. That's really after doing a ton of market research at the end of the day when, you know, we distill the answers down to one point. It's the point you just made. A lot of people are confused about what to eat There's when it comes to seafood, and at the end of the day, they just sit, relegate themselves to, okay, I'll order the chicken, right. you know, or, or the salmon. <laughs> I, I mean, want to eat seafood. So how did yeah. you put together your menu at Slapfish to make it uh, more accessible to people? Our, our approach is take dishes everybody knows and they're very comfortable with because mm-hmm. knowing they're already a little confused, I mean, why confuse things more by trying to be too intellectual with the food? So mm-hmm. for us, dishes people know, giving them a dip, bit of a different spin, right, an added ingredient, a different species of fish, and then just present it in a, in a non-stuffy manner, um, you know, kind of a dress-down environment, but at the right price point, and then slowly pepper in some of the education pieces throughout the dining experience, but not too in your face. Let the food do the work. Well, I think that's an interesting way of going about it because the whole sustainable seafood movement for the, and look, for people in the industry is confusing as it is. So if you're a layperson, it's even more confusing, right? Like if you're trying to do the right thing and eat sustainable fish, you know, the the information that's out there, whether it's by MSC or whoever, it, they don't make it easy to, you know, it's ever changing. It's constantly changing, which is sustainability. That's how it works. But it's it's hard for people to stay on top of it. 
Yeah, and if you sit around in a room with a bunch of marine biologists or those who are really deep in this sustainable seafood world and ask each one of them, uh, you know, on a piece of paper, for example, to give their description or example or definition of sustainable seafood, I guarantee you everyone's going to have a different definition. (laughs) Right, exactly. So with the Slapfish, you guys are really entering into the D.C. market, which, you know, fast casual here is really big and we have a lot of locals who have done fast casual so whether it's sweet green or cava or jose andres beefsteak how was it for you guys to enter this market that makes it a lot easier because there's less of a learning curve so people Mm -hmm. understand that model it's actually when we started back in california in 2011 2012 it was difficult describing oh you order at the counter you get a number you know, it, we, it, it look, has that look and feel of this should be full service and the quality, but what do you mean I order at the counter? So it made it a lot easier coming into that market. Oh, well, that's great because some people feel differently because they feel that because they're not locals, it's harder to make their presence known. I mean, there's, of course, there's always that, that effect. Um, you know, for us, it was we work through franchise partners and mm-hmm. they are all very, they're all local and it was about utilizing, obviously, their you know their passion, their connection to the market too, um, to give it that local effect and feel. So I got a question for you. Your your choice of of uh, real estate is interesting because you're in D.C., you're in Rockville, but you're out in Loudoun County, out in what you know we who live close to the city called the Boonies. And, Except and one of Boston. our guests today yeah, is one from of our, Loudoun. One of our, I mean, one of our guests uh, runs a runs a, a winery out in Loudoun County, and he's mm-hmm. given me the evil eye. But right. um, you know, what kind of research did you do to 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 say, okay, the audience is, you know, the the target audience in these areas is really going to be receptive to this concept? Yeah, and and, and wonderful question. You know, and I would just kind of go back to the idea that it's more of an art and not a science. So yeah, we could look at all the demographics and lay out the numbers and all the behavioral traits. But what we have found actually is is that most consumers are excited about a new approach to seafood. They all want to eat more seafood, as we talked about. They just don't know how to do so. So as long as we have the right partners and we've got the right, you know, kind of co-tenants in the market and some of those basic real estate elements, we know, and by partners, I mean, the people operating the store who are mm-hmm. into it and passionate about it, then we, we, we're, we're excited about even testing some of those uh, lesser known areas. So just quickly, because we only have a, about a minute left, tell us, um, for those who have not been into a slapfish, sort of what they're ordering and what the food looks like. Yeah, and there's kind of two pieces to this. So on the one hand, we've got our, our really fun slap fit bowls, we call them, you know, for, for example, our power bowl, which is just lightly grilled, um, lightly grilled salmon and shrimp and other types of fish with brown rice and avocado and a whole bunch of grilled vegetables. I mean, it's really, it's really a wholesome meal. Our, all of our seafood changes daily. So you can kind of work the fish into different dishes. We're really well known as well for some of our more indulgent items, our clopster grilled cheese, which is half crab, half lobster, um, toasted sourdough bread, kind of cooked to a melting, fall apart tenderness. That our sounds delicious. Clopster double. sounds like an evil medical experiment to me. <laughs> I, I love that. How yeah, dare I love you, that. Sir. I, I call it our, our seafood. I, I call it our seafood superhero. So I try and you know amp it up a little. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Um, uh, clearly, today, Washington, tomorrow, the world for slapfish with twenty-two locations and more on the way. Andrew, thanks. Uh, Thank we you appreciate your time. And um, right, listen, everybody go to Slapfish. Good food. Great food. This is David and Nikki Nellis. Thank you so much. We'll be back in just a sec.
All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Let's go back to Nick Farrell from Neighborhood Restaurant Group and Low ABV Cocktails. Talk to me a little bit about sourcing. How do you find the right stuff? Because you can't just put anything in these cocktails just because it's low alcohol. So there's got to be a quality taste test going, too. Sure. Uh, well, the most important thing is having good relationships with distributors mm-hmm. uh, and communicating to them what you need and what you want. But at the same time, D.C. is a great place um, to uh, access a lot because I can look on the Internet and find something. And then uh, if I want to bring it in and nobody's distributing it, I can take it down to Abra, pay a small tax and then carry it. Um, and that's really unique, actually. So, But, you know, I, I wonder when it comes to crafting these cocktails with a low ABV, how, what's your... What's the level? How are you deciding? What's low? What's low and what's not? And it's like, for example, let's talk about the drink you just poured us. Sure. So this is a Sherry Manhattan. That's a Sherry Manhattan. Exactly. So what does that mean for the uninitiated? What does that mean? So uh, what that means is uh, here you've got Sherry, sweet vermouth, and bitters. Mm -hmm. Um, A classic Manhattan would be uh, whiskey, sweet vermouth, and bitters. Mm -hmm. So. We're swapping out what would be uh, whiskey at like 40 to 50% alcohol by volume okay. uh, to Fino Sherry, which is dry, but only 15% alcohol. So what you what you have in front of you is still actually everything in it is alcohol-based. Right. Uh, but because it's a stirred drink, mm-hmm. um, it's much lower ABV than what you'd be expecting for a drink of its style and a drink of its flavor profile. Makes sense. Um, in this case, like, let's say a Manhattan would be equivalent to about one and a half drinks. Mm-hmm. This is m- closer to 0. 0.75. Okay, um, interesting. So you can still get a buzz. You just you have can, to yes. drink more. You can still get a buzz. <laughs> you just have to drink more. Exactly. And- so as you're putting together your menu, like what are some of the things that you're like you were surprised by as far as things that maybe work together well or things that maybe maybe you had a drink in your head and you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then you tasted it. And you're like, no, it's not. It's not good at all. <laughs> um, so sherry uh, is a great example. Uh, sherry can, especially the drier sherries, um, using them to be able to swap in for whiskeys mm-hmm. um, because they do have that barrel-aged quality, a little bit of like oxidative notes, a little bit of tannins. Um, because they share a lot of those same characteristics, um, it's amazing how many times you can swap in a Fino Sherry uh, for a whiskey, and it will still kind of work. Wow. Um, what is um, the next drink you're going to be pouring for us? The next drink I'm going to be pouring uh, is a three Amaro Cola. Okay. Um, so we have three different types of Amaro and then um, uh, a, a syrup uh, with uh, phosphoric acid, some vanilla, some cinnamon, um, some lavender, and bergamot. Um, See, that yeah. does not sound easy to make. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> All right, great. Well, while you're doing that, we're going to bring on our next guest. Daniel. Have a seat, Daniel. Have a seat. Step up to the mic. Where do you want me to sit? Right, right there. there. I'm here. The only seat that's available. He made and you got di- me pizza? This yes, is great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Daniel Kramer is a managing partner and co-founder of Duke's Grocery, mm-hmm. Duke's Counter, and the recently opened Gogi Yogi Korean Barbecue. Yay. And he just ran a race this morning. Right. How'd you Hi finish? Uh, I finished, and that was uh, what I was looking Good. to do. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. You ran all the way over to the station. So, yeah, exactly. Why don't we talk a little bit about you and how you know how all this came about? We know you grew up in the Koreatown area of L.A., so right. that would... 
Well, so I moved to D.C. to do something completely not related to food uh, about 11 years ago. Um, and every time I went to one of the new um, uh, restaurants that was open, I was like, I like this. I like this. I like these people. I love these people. Um, I like welcoming people. And Capitol Hill has so much um, intensity that mm-hmm. I decided what I came here for wasn't really where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, we opened Duke's Grocery, the first one in DuPont on 17th Street. Um, to rave reviews. Uh, I bri- Nikki, to be honest with you, I bribed everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it's well, Washington. What, yeah, I Washington. Mean, it's it's, it's called lobbying. Really. Rudy, everybody. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, so that was in 2013, you know, mm-hmm. just um, me and a couple buddies. And then I uh, we opened across from the zoo, Duke's Counter, in mm-hmm. 2016, uh, the new Duke's Grocery at the old Kincaid's in Foggy Bottom and um, earlier this year. And this whole time, um, I didn't understand why there was not Korean barbecue in, in this city. in this great. We have every type of awesome cuisine. Right. Um, some of it obscure, um, some of it not. And Korean barbecue is is everywhere except here. But and- isn't it because of the what it took to build like Korean barbecue? For those who don't know, you you have to cook on the table. You need vents. Yeah. So um, the logistical permit. Uh, mechanical ducting, venting, mm-hmm. uh, fire suppression systems that you mentioned were unbelievably complicated, time-consuming, expensive, um, <clears throat> nightmare. Don't want to think about it Hence right now. That's why there was no Korean barbecue you, in and, D.C., right? And some of the people that you've had on on your, you know, in this chair over the years who were frankly a lot more experienced than I am in D.C. restaurants have considered it and passed. Right. Um, and... Through the process, um, I kind of understood why they had passed. But yet here you are. Well, I wasn't going to. We weren't going to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've been passionate about. It's a cuisine that I grew up with and love, and um, I, I just it it's it did not make sense to me on a visceral level that we did not have this amazing option in DC. Mm-hmm. And and the excuse was, oh, just just drive 45 minutes to Annandale. And for the first couple of years I was here, I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. Right. And then after two or three years I said, wait, why are we doing this? Well, because of the permits in DC. And then two or three years later I was like, well what permits? You know how it is. Right. And then two or three years later I'm like, this is ridiculous. There has to be a way forward. Mm-hmm. We do everything else in, in Washington DC. They have it in Rockville. They have it no, it's you know, all true. in in Annandale. And um uh, I don't, I don't do well at taking no for an answer, mm-hmm. and and to be honest with you, Nikki, I got impatient. Okay. Um, Can we and- talk a little bit about? I mean, because there there was nothing before Gogi Yogi like this, what, the process here, and in here in oh, DC. Correct. So mm-hmm. when you sit down, what happens? When you when I sit down and what at the restaurant for people uh, oh, who oh, have okay, yeah, yeah, get there. Okay, yeah. great. So um, first of all, we say welcome to Gogi Yogi. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the grill tables. Uh, are you know in the center of the table, and one of the things that you experience at a Korean restaurant, um, it, not ours but other ones, is that the smoke that you're cooking goes up. It gets into your hair, it gets into your clothing, right. and then for the my rest office of is it, in Annandale. I can attest okay, to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so once you and so once you've been there, everyone knows you were there for right. until you take a shower and go to the dry cleaners. Mm-hmm. Uh, our it's my table, new cologne, right? Right. Um, our maybe we should they should sell cologne on the maybe. side. Yeah, anyway, it's a good idea. Um, our tables don't do that. There's a downdraft system, so the smoke is sucked down, mm-hmm. and you don't see the smoke or smell like it. Hmm. Um, 
we uh, there's depending on the day about seven, eight, nine, sometimes ten, eleven uh, panchan, which are the side dishes, mostly it's vegetable like based. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of them are pickled. Mm-hmm. Um, they change seasonally. Um, right now, my favorite is the sautéed beets um, with sesame seeds. Phenomenal. Mm. Um, and well, who'd you get to come in and execute all these sort of accoutrements that are needed? Right. Because you are <clears throat> cooking yourself right. at a Korean barbecue, but that still everything needs to be marinated and prepared yes. and put ahead of time. So yeah. who did you get to? So we that? we were very lucky. Uh, Patrice Cunningham, <clears throat> Patrice Cunningham is our kitchen lead, and mm-hmm. she is. Um, she actually contacted us and said, uh, I'm a Korean American born and raised in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm running a, a kimchi and Korean catering uh, project out of Union Kitchen in Ivy City, mm-hmm. and I'm going to help you with this. And I, and I looked at this email. I said, who is this person? Right. And, and then I met her, and her enthusiasm, that email didn't even properly reflect the enthusiasm that she brought, no pun intended, to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Her mom is I Korean. I can't believe everybody wasn't like, oh, ah, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and and I was like, well, t- I, I, I love her spirit already. I can see it coming through, you know, on the mm-hmm. screen. Um, and so, she, you know, she brought her, uh, her mom to do some of the tastings, and and they're always adjusting. And like, you know, two nights ago, her mom was again in the kitchen, and they were they were just talking and adding more and taking, you know, adjusting the dishes. And so it's it's a living, breathing place mm-hmm. um, in that regard, which is great. And we, I'm really happy she sent us that email. Excellent. So, um, how many items are on the menu uh, for the grill tables? Yes, for the grill uh, tables, there are thirteen or fourteen different options. Okay. Um, you know, some of the more standard items: the uh, marinated pork, bulgogi, galbi, etc. Right. Uh, we also have dry aged options, uh, which are uh, halal certified. Mm-hmm. There's a big um, uh, community that observes halal, provide mm-hmm. that. Also, um, Jergilowicz duck, all natural, um, vegetable uh, assortment, seasonal vegetables, because there's a lot of guests who are vegetarian. Excellent. And they have been previously pretty much excluded from the grill experience. Great. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. We know you ran a race this morning, but we are racing ourselves. Understood. So please tell everybody where they can find you. We are at the corner of 8th and Florida in the heart of the Shaw U Street District. It's called Gogi Yogi, um, seven days a week. And we just really appreciate being on the show. I think I think it's a big honor. All Thanks right. a lot, guys. We're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Food and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Very briefly, we want to thank our sponsors, the the folks, and great sustainable seafood at ProFish, mm-hmm. the Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters, Central Farm Markets, and our new sponsor, Hakan Ilhan's Mirabel, Ottoman Taverna, uh, Alba Osteria, Al Dente, and coming soon in Georgetown, Cafe Liberté. Yes. That'll be delicious fun. Delicious breads. All right, so, Jordan, where yes, are you? Sir. So Jordan, Jordan Harris, Harris is a longtime friend of the show. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a Canadian that moved to the U.S. to become the celebrated winemaker at Torero Winery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torero is an award-winning winery out in Loudoun County. We've been there. It's 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 the most gorgeous spot maybe in all of Northern Virginia. Um, and well, tell us a little bit about Torero, and then we'll get into Adam and and the the rest of this story. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this year is actually our thirtieth anniversary. Yay! Um, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, it's it's been a fun year, kind of going out there. So we've released some cool new wines about it. 
um, you know, some Chardonnay to celebrate the 30th anniversary coming off of the original block that was planted. And we just, you know, been having a great year. It's been a beautiful summer for our winery as well. Right, because um, last year was a tough year, right? I mean, we call Tougher. it creatively challenging. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this year it didn't really take anything. It was just it was easy and it was really kind of a nice year to grow grapes and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're open seven days a week, as always, and, you know, we're fun little fun winery to come out and enjoy. What are some of the, what can people look forward to as far as the kind of wines you're releasing right now? Yeah, so I mean, there's a couple styles that we kind of go for. The Tarara line is the more traditional, you know, everyone says it, but the terroir-driven type stuff that really Mm -hmm. kind of showcases some single vineyards, more Chardonnay as well. Uh, Merlot, Cabernet, and Viognier. But then we have our Boneyard line, which is kind of more playful. It's where we find new sites or new varieties that we think are kind of neat. And then there's, of course, the one that we were going to be talking about as a partnership where we go out and we find cool partners like Loudoun United where we make wine specifically for them. Well, yeah. that's a what a segue. segue. Thank yeah. you, Jordan. So on the phone with us is Adam Benke. Adam, are you there? I am here. Thanks you are there. Hi, Hi Adam. Adam. So Adam is the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Loudoun United Football Club. They're owned by DC United. They they develop players, and hopefully some of those players will rise up to the professional, the, the top of the professional league. But you guys have a very interesting partnership going between Terrera and the football club. And Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how it the sort of the the how the idea germinated and how it happened. Yeah, absolutely. So being the new guys in town, the first ever professional soccer team in Loudoun County, we were looking for creative partnerships, trying to find a way to grow our brand and get involved with the community. And fortunately, Tarara and Jordan and Aaron um, and their entire staff shared that mission and and that hope to to grow both of our brands together and bring something unique and exciting to Loudoun County. So getting in touch with Jordan and Aaron was very easy. They welcomed us with open arms as we're the new guys in town and told us all about Gerara. And as we got talking and, and of course, over a beautiful glass of wine, um, we decided that there would be no other way, no better way to, to combine our brands and grow that together than creating our very own brand in, in Loudoun United Wine. Well, Jordan, That's where it all started. We sat was, around the table and, and started from there. It was great. And Jordan told me that he's forever indebted to you because being a Canadian, he thought that soccer was played by kicking around a puck. Yeah, so. I mean, every time I tried doing it at home, I slipped on the <laughs> you ice. You hurt your feet. Right. <laughs> well, so, Jordan, when you met with Adam and you guys decided to do a collaboration, what did that look like for you as a winemaker? Um, it's, a, it's a fun process. It really is. So, you know, we're able to put together our wines and get things rolling, but it's always fun to get a new perspective. So Adam and some of his team came out to taste through our wines um, and really put together some blends with us. So, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of... A lot of collaborations and whatnot, they just kind of slap a label on it. But it's been it's been a blast working with you loud and united because they wanted to be part of the process. They mm-hmm. they truly wanted to come out, they wanted to taste the wine and have their fingerprints also on helping. So, you know, we tasted through and we all kind of, you know, battered back and forth with that glass of wine that were Adam's there some had. glasses, yeah. Adam, that you tasted and you were like, No, I want the-. were you like a mad scientist, like the two of you working together doing blends? How did you what happened there? Yeah, that is what it felt like. Um, we were going back and forth to, to a variety of a variety of options, and I don't know the the two that we came up with just just felt right with Jordan's expertise. We trusted him uh, wholeheartedly, but 
um, at the end of the day, they, they turned out amazingly well. And I was actually a little bit more impressed with, with myself and my chase than I ever expected. Thanks to Jordan's uh, guidance and um, his expertise, we're able to come up with some incredible wines. And our fans and even people that aren't even going to the stadium are asking how can they get their hands on it. And going to Tarara and whatnot has been fantastic for all of our fans and locals to enjoy the wine. So what are the wines? So there's uh, Loudoun United, White and Loudoun United Red at the moment. The mm-hmm. white is actually 100% Chardonnay. Uh, the red is primarily Merlot, but with has a little bit of Syrah that was blended in there that we thought uh, added some kind of fun characters. The idea behind the wines is to be kind of, you know, it has our signature on as well, where it wants to be complex enough where you can have it on you know, any occasion as a wine connoisseur, but it also has to be something that's friendly to, you know, 5,000 people sitting at a stadium. Right, watching a soccer game. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so when you say Chardonnay, I think a lot of people's heads go in a certain direction, especially in the United States. How did you do this Chardonnay for the soccer it, stadium? It's actually, it's a stainless steel style Chardonnay, so it's more no, no steel oak. fresh. No, no, it's a fresher style to really kind of preserve the fruit and showcase it and make it more friendly across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't understand why people don't like Chardonnay. It's really just, it's Because you know variety. why people don't like yeah. Chardonnay. It was over-oaked and, Oaky. Yeah. you know, overdone. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of that has gone to the wayside now. And mm-hmm. I mean, Chardonnay, it's, Chardonnay is a grape variety that is more transparent than any other grape variety. It tells you when it's in a good place and it tells you when it's in a bad place. You just have to make sure you plant it in a good place. I know, so, but you know that because you're a winemaker. All right, We're so, not winemakers. We don't know that. Uh, how's it presented at the stadium? I mean, how does it work at the games? Like, is, is there, it by bottles? You have, you have Are a, you doing... you have a booth? What? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll let Adam jump into a lot because, I mean, I see it... Uh, I know that they have it up in the suites, and a lot of the VIP people are constantly drinking, but they have bars around the stadium as well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Adam can speak even more to how best to find it all over the stadium, but it, it's the main wine that's out there. And I, I should also add in, while I have this opportunity, because you know Adam might be too bashful to do it. Don't be bashful. Is, you know, Loudoun United has done an incredible job at partnering all across Loudoun County with um, not just wine, but also craft beer. So in each of the spots, you find a different local brewery that's also um, been doing the beer for Loudoun United as well with Lost Rhino or Leesburg Brewing Company. So it, it's pretty cool to see that they have really embraced the community, and we, we've been blessed. Oh, to be good on them. That's how that's you. Great. That's how you become a. Yeah. A fixture. Adam, uh, we're going to have to end in a couple of seconds, but I understand before this that you uh, were uh, an executive with the New York Yankees. And of course, we're dying to know if you knew George Costanza while you were there. I mean, seriously, that's what you want to ask <laughs> uh, on George here? George Costanza. <laughs> He's my inspiration. Uh, okay, good. Adam said you like to sleep under your desk. I was just asking. Okay. So, um, and, and again, how, I mean, how do you handle it? At the, is there, I mean, is, is, uh, is there signage and you've got it at the stadium? It's all presented that way? Yeah, since the labels are so prominent, we have them located on the tops of every one of our bars um, so that people can see front and center when they walk in that there is Loud United Wine available. So it is a, in a prominent location, and our fans have had nothing but great feedback, both for the, the wine and the, and the local brewers. Our, our hope as a soccer team is not only to unite people through soccer, but through our local ties with the wineries and breweries. So, so far, so good. And our, our final game is on Saturday the 19th, so I hope everybody can come out and enjoy it one last time before we head to the off season and then kick off again next year, 2020, in March. Awesome. Excellent. All right. And Jordan, if people wanted to buy that wine, can they? 
Absolutely. So, <laughs> yes, I yeah, will sell yeah. it. So, I mean, we, we were selling it at our concerts as well, mm-hmm. um, as well as there in our tasting room. So, yeah, anytime. I mean, call us at Tarar Winery or go online, find me, you know, tarara.com. He's like, I know. live there. Tell right. me. Yeah, Wait, yeah. well, just quickly. Um, so, anything going on at the winery over the next couple of months that people should be paying attention to? Ooh, you're throwing me under the bus on this one. Next couple of months, I kind of want to sleep. I'm, I'm right, not going to well, lie. It's uh, yeah, we. Um, well, I mean, October is a crazy cool month. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily based on events, but it's just a beautiful time to come out to Loudoun County and come and check out the wineries. I know that uh, it was mentioned that we're the Boondocks. I think it was that was said. Who said that? I know, I know. I said actually Boonies. Boonies, yes. Boonies. That's right. But those Boonies have lots Are of gorgeous. cool, beautiful yeah, trees beautiful. to look at yes. the foliage this time of year and come out and sip some lots wine. Lots of tree. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, cool. Nick. Step back up, Adam and uh, and and Jordan. Thank you very much. Pleasure, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, we got about thirty seconds. Tell everybody where they can find these ABV beverages before the new place opens. Oh, so uh, before it opens, um, uh, Rustico has a couple, but uh, Iron Gate uh, and Hazel um, both focus a lot on amaros and and liqueurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get those flavors there. And just tell easy. us quickly about the new place. When can we hope to see that? Early next year. Okay. Uh, we're looking at uh, for a show of hands inside the roost. Uh, and that will be, um, let's see, uh, we're looking at, well, yeah. it's Sometime early, then. S- sometime then. All right. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, we've got to wrap up the show. Everything you heard about today, uh, you can find information mm-hmm. on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Instagram and on uh, WTOP. And uh, I'm going to get killed for saying this, but let's remember that as a nation, we should stick by our allies. Okay. That's thank my you. message. Right. Wrong show. Anyway, we want to thank all of our guests for being on air today. Um, so much deliciousness happening around the D.C. metro area. Of course, if you want to find any and all of it, go to the list, com. It's all there. And you can follow me at Nikki Nellis on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Next week, we have another delicious show, Wiggle Whiskey from Pittsburgh. Mm. They're coming in studio. We'll see you then.